Flag Day, National Bourbon Day, World Blood Donor Day, Monkey Around Day? These are some of the potential ways to mark June 14th, the 165th day of 2022. What you choose today is up to you, but I do hope you'll take a look or a listen to this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that also wants you to make sure you know that some consider this is also National Pop Goes the Weasel Day. Now, where can I find some tuppany rice or some treacle? On today's program, details on the next steps for a second lawsuit to force a House of Delegates election this year. Albemarle and Charlottesville's elected bodies each take a look at the regional transit vision. Governor Glenn Youngkin announces a series of grants to help increase capacity for small agricultural producers, such as a water-powered mill in Nelson County. And Albemarle County releases a report on climate vulnerability and risks. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society continues work gathering stories for their project, Race and Sports, Athletics and Desegregation in Central Virginia. Tonight at 7 p.m., they will provide an update on Facebook Live and Zoom with two people who lived through the era. Garwin DeBerry graduated from Burley High School in 1965, and Steve Runkel graduated from Lane High School in 1960. They will share how the families, neighborhoods, and communities in which they grew up shaped their experience and school desegregation. Tune in to the ACHS event on race and sports tonight at 7 p.m. There's a link to the Zoom registration in the newsletter. The state of Virginia has until June 24th to file a motion to dismiss a new lawsuit that seeks the Commonwealth to hold an election for the House of Delegates this year. Richmond resident Jeffrey Thomas Jr. filed a federal suit in the Eastern District of Virginia last week that picks up the similar arguments made by Richmond attorney Paul Goldman for why some think the House districts currently in place are unconstitutional. Goldman's suit was dismissed for lack of standing. Thomas and representatives from the Virginia Attorney General's office were in court yesterday for a joint status update in the case. Judge David Novak issued an order requiring both parties to file a joint stipulation of facts by June 17th. Thomas will have eight days to respond to whatever the state of Virginia files. The state will have five days to respond to that. No date has been set for another hearing, and for more information, take a look at the Virginia Mercury for coverage of yesterday's hearing. One item on tomorrow's agenda for the Albemarle Board of Supervisors is a 176-page document that identifies how the county and its residents will be affected by shifting weather patterns. The Climate Vulnerability and Risk Assessment looks ahead to how extreme heat, drought, wildfires, and flooding may affect the area. There's also the threat that a changing climate will bring new pests that will affect crops. This assessment is a step towards developing a climate resilience plan. That's according to Gabe Daly, Albemarle's Climate Protection Coordinator. Some of the 
changes are unavoidable. And so even while we try to mitigate, reduce the severity of climate change, we also need to prepare for some of those impacts. Daly said the Climate Action Plan is intended to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to meet regional goals to be carbon neutral and fossil free by 2050. He made his comments on the Let's Talk podcast, produced by Albemarle's Communications and Public Engagement Department. Our vulnerability and risk assessment looks at uh, the kinds of specific local weather changes that we can expect. Things like increasingly intense and long heat waves, or uh, sudden and more severe rainstorms that lead to flash flooding. Visit the county's website to hear more. The report was put together with support and work from the Piedmont Environmental Council. In disclosure, that group is a sponsor of the Week Ahead newsletter. This is Ag Week in Virginia, and Governor Glenn Youngkin has announced the latest recipients of the state Agriculture and Forestry Industry Development Grant Program. The program provides matching grants to small agricultural producers, such as Potter's Craft Cider, which used a $50,000 grant as part of a package to move its operations into Nev Hall off of US-29. This time around, the grants focus on infrastructure. Nelson County requested financial assistance for Deep Roots Milling to upgrade a water-powered grain mill that was built in the late 18th century. According to the press release, the $22,500 in state funds will help pay for a new sifting room and new bagging equipment. Other recipients include $25,000 for the Piedmont Processing of Orange County to add more cooling space for its slaughterhouse, $25,000 for a barge to serve a collective of oyster farms in Northampton County, and $9,000 for a commercial kitchen expansion in Bedford County. Read the press release for more information. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, this year, WTJU 91.1 FM turns 65. And to mark the occasion, there's a new micro-museum exhibition this summer. Radio Relics traces WTJU's storied history of broadcasting for our community. As part of the 65th anniversary celebrations, WTJU has curated photos, artifacts, and t-shirts. So many t-shirts, spanning more than six decades. The exhibition is free and will be open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. from June 3rd until July 29th. The museum space is a renovated vintage camper parked behind WTJU Studios at 2244 Ivy Road in Charlottesville. WTJU's Radio Relics exhibition shows off some of the artifacts collected over the years, many contributed by former WTJU general manager Chuck Taylor. In fact, there is even a new initiative to raise money through the Chuck Taylor Fund for WTJU History. Contact General Manager Nathan Moore to learn more. Or is it about the mulberry bush? I mean, that's the American version. But oh, 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 oh! Sorry, I was still discussing Pop Goes the Weasel. Now on with the program. 
Consultants hired by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission are moving into the second phase of a community engagement effort for a $350,000 plan to create a regional transit vision to make public transportation a more attractive option. They have developed both a constrained plan that would anticipate around $26 million in funds that might be generated through becoming a regional transportation authority with taxation power as well as one that assumed funding would be found to increase the frequency of service. That has an estimated $70 million price tag. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors had their review on June 1st. Scudder Wag is with Jarrett Walker & Associates, a subcontractor working on the Regional Transit Vision Plan. These concepts are here to help you imagine and understand what kind of outcomes are available at at kind of two different levels of investment. This work will be completed before a second study will begin on how transit operations should be governed in the future. Tim Broll is with AECOM. They're the other consultant with this project, and he's the project manager for the vision plan. So this transit vision study really is uh, uh, identifying the potential improvements to the regional transit system, and and establishing that long-term goal and plan, vision. Uh, And the governance study is really, uh, you know, what are the steps to get to that that vision that we've, we've defined? The idea in both visions is to increase how often buses move through the community. Here's Scudder Wag. Frequency means freedom, effectively. Um, The more frequent services, the much shorter your wait is, the much likelier you are to get somewhere soon. WAG said at the moment, around 60% of residents of urban Albemarle and Charlottesville are close to some transit service, but only about 15% are close to frequent service. Both visions expand the number of areas covered by on-demand service, where people in the future would be able to call for service on the same day. Currently, a ride on jaunt has to be booked a day in advance. But in general, the plan without identified funding would increase service. The unconstrained vision would seek to increase fixed route service to seven days a week from morning well into the evening. One of the key things that is likely to significantly improve um, access to opportunity, particularly for people who work in retail service and hospital jobs, um, where many people have to work evenings, many people have to work Sundays. um, And uh, those types of jobs are the jobs where um, people... If you aren't there for them on Sunday, they have to have a car and therefore have to incur the very high cost of owning a car. Supervisor Ann Malik is the sole elected official left from an effort in the late 2000s to create a regional transit authority. She wanted to make clear that the community has tried once before for a sales tax to fund increased transit, but a referendum did not make it out of the General Assembly. This money doesn't disappear when we can't, we don't have the authority to raise it. Supervisor Ned Galloway said service along urban corridors in his district needs to be frequent to accommodate the new units that have been approved during his tenure, such as the Rio Point project that got the okay last December. He pointed out proponents of he pointed out that proponents of that dense development argued transit could help mitigate traffic congestion. Over a thousand units, 13, 1400 units that are going to build out there. And if they're sitting on a 60 minute transit line, that's not that that doesn't work. Galloway said the on demand transit pilot that Albemarle will begin next year will go a long way to help determine what the county needs. 
Supervisors B. Lepisto Kirtley and Diantha McKeel had already seen the presentation because the Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership got a briefing in late May. McKeel wanted clarification on the role the University of Virginia Transit System would play in the vision. We tend to think about UVA as doing their own thing, right? That's what they've done for years with their students and and um, faculty and staff. Having said that, I know they're really working hard with us at the Regional Transit Partnership about coming together on transit in this community. WAG said that the unconstrained vision anticipates more involvement by UVA. There is an obvious, enormous transit demand within and around a university. And and the grounds at UVA needs really high frequency service within a pretty limited space. So it's understandable that they, they run their own service. WAG said an idea in the unconstrained vision is to trade resources with UVA. For instance, a bus rapid transit system, similar to the Pulse in Richmond, could travel down US-29 and terminate somewhere on Emmett Street. And then the university could run a more community-oriented service that that serves the grounds as a primary focus, but also serves the community at large. Charlottesville City Council had their review on June 6th. The presentation was much the same as what Albemarle and the Regional Transit Partnership saw, but WAG repeated why having to wait on a bus that comes once an hour is an obstacle to people using transit. Relying on service every 60 minutes is extremely hard. Um, You can think about relying on a 60-minute route as a little bit like if there were a gate at the end of your driveway that only opened once an hour. You had best be in your car with your coffee ready to go at 7 a.m. if you needed to get out at 7 a.m. to get to work. And if you miss it, then you're not leaving until 8. WAG reminded council that many of the current routes operated by Charlottesville Area Transit do not operate on Sunday. City Councilor Brian Pinkston said the unconstrained vision is compelling and certainly appeared to be more attractive, but he expressed some skepticism. This would be a great system to enact, but how do we change behavior such that people would use it? WAG said if people have choices about how to get around, they will take transit. A major reason people don't take transit today is because it's very unlikely to be useful for the trip they want to make. For instance, WAG said a trip from Pantops to the Piedmont, Virginia Community College would take a very long time with multiple transfers. Changing that dynamic of will someone choose to ride is making it far more likely that the trip they, they look up will be reasonably competitive to take transit. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he was concerned that outreach efforts have not been robust. We got to do a better job of getting input. We we just, I can tell you if this all you're going to do, I can almost assure you what we're going to get. Extra service will mean extra drivers. And Councillor Michael Payne said their needs must be taken into consideration up front. We can drop any plans or changes we want, but if we don't have sufficient drivers, to run those routes, um, it won't work. And I know that we're already seeing significant problems um, in being able to even maintain frequency of our current routes uh, because of a shortage of bus drivers. Payne is another member of the Regional Transit Partnership. He said the unconstrained vision should be a goal, but a realistic approach needs to be taken. How do we sort of, once this is finalized, bring it back down to earth and figure out what are the level of investments we need to specifically plan for here in the city and what are the specific steps needed to start to get jaunt cat 
and UVA Transit Services working together and moving to that regional transit authority. And that's where the governance study would come in. If there was to be a regional authority, that could include surrounding counties. The Greene County Board of Supervisors gets their review of the plans tonight, and it's the Fluvanna Board's turn on Wednesday. The next step is a virtual meeting on June 23rd in which the consultants will present both the unconstrained and constrained visions. There's also a community survey that seeks to gather input on the unconstrained and constrained visions. What do you think? There's simply no use in telling me. Fill out that survey. <laughs> yeah. Half a pound of tapani rice. Half a pound of treacle. And that's it for this installment of Pop Goes the Weed. Nope. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, the Pop Goes the Weasel edition. Thank you very much for putting up with the silly bits of this program. I find that uh, interspersing a little bit of humor, at least attempts at humor, kind of uh, hopefully makes this all a little bit more entertaining and real. The, all of the things that are covered in this program are things that, uh, you know, can be kind of serious, and this is a serious world. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that Pop Goes the Weasel dates back to some time a long time ago, long before when I was alive and long before when you were alive. But there it is, all the same for us to think about, just like all of the other things. And who knows what will be in the future? Maybe it's something we create together. Who knows? All I do know is that Charlottesville Community Engagement is funded by listeners and readers such as yourself. And if you have subscribed, uh, thank you. And of course, Ting matched your initial payment. That's stuff that has happened dozens and dozens of times. And I need it to happen dozens and dozens more times in order to keep this going. So if you subscribe through Substack, the company Ting will match your donation, your contribution, should you decide to do so. If not, please send it on to others so they may contemplate what happens um, with Pop Goes the Weasel and all of the other things. Do the wheels of the bus turn round and round? What happens if there's many buses? All these questions. We're not going to get to the answers today. It is the end of episode 395. I am Sean Tubbs. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment. I doubt there will be a nursery rhyme, but still, maybe. Tune in. Find out. Who knows? Ba-ba-da-ba-da-da-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da.